I was on Miyako Island, Miyakojima, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Miyako is about the size of Arlington, and I w it was so cool to be there. I've, that was like the most vacation-like vacation I think I've ever had, uh, because usually when I'm doing vacation, we're doing ministry, and we did some ministry there. We were part of, uh, Kiana teaches at five schools. My daughter, Kiana, if you don't know already, my daughter, Kiana, married a guy from the Cornerstone um, named Joe, so they're over there. And she teaches at five schools, and we, got, we were involved with two different churches, and we had lots of time with lots of people. But overall, we had time with, as our family, and it was so good for me. So thank you for letting me be gone. And I tell you, I'm so proud of the people of Cornerstone because uh, it's a pastor's dream to be able to go away and things are actually better when I'm gone than when I'm here because you guys are so great. And I, heard, I listened to the podcast when I got back, and I just thought, wow, the things that you guys said uh, last week at the merge were amazing, and, no, and the buildings didn't burn down, and nothing happened in the student houses. And so that's cool. I'm glad for it. Hey, I want to introduce you guys to some new people. You guys want to meet the new people? Yeah. So um, I'm amazed at how many cool new people are showing up here at the Cornerstone. First of all, we've got Miss Abby. Where's Abby? Abby, Abby, Abby. Hi, Abby. There's Abby. And right next to her is Luz, right? Luz. Um, Abby and Luz. And then we've got, is it Janet or Janae? Janet. Hey, Janet. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. And then we've got Brittany. we got another Brittany. Wow. Hey. Did, Brittany, who invited you? Another Brittany. Wow. Wow. Okay. Brittany and Brittany. Cool. And then we got Christian. Christian, welcome to the Cornerstone, man. So glad you guys are here. I never know what's going to happen as the semester is ending. What's that? Did I miss somebody? Who did I miss? Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. She's hiding behind that pole, so I didn't see her. Okay, did I miss anybody else? Okay, guys, we're just glad you're here. Okay, if, if I don't know what they told you you were, you were coming to. I always wonder when, when you come, when people come for the first time, I'm thinking, what do they think they're coming to be involved in? Christian, what do they tell you? Who invited you, Brittany? A bunch of people invited you, and finally when Brittany invited you, you came. Brittany, good job. Good job. Another Brittany. Brittany and Brittany. Cool. Cool, cool. Brittany and Brittany got him. Okay. Guys, if, if they didn't tell you what's going on here, this is an amazing community of people who love Jesus more than anything else. And we've got so much happening here in this community on, uh, during the week on, with our coffee shop and small groups and Bible studies. But on Thursday night, we do what we call the merge, where all the, everybody comes together. And of course, at the end of the semester, you, yeah, I know you guys are under pressure, so we don't have as many people here tonight. But we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask God to speak to us. We're going to open up the Bible, and we're going to expect that he's going to answer our prayer, and he's going to reveal himself to us in a greater way, okay? You guys okay? I want you guys to know what he's got to say to us tonight, but he won't speak to you. He, you won't understand what he's speaking to you if you don't want to hear his voice. So we're going to stand up right now, and we're going to pray. So stand up, and let's pray, and let's ask him to speak. 
Father, we don't have the strength to even concentrate on what's going on here if you don't help us. And so would you speak to our lives in a way that would change us? Would our lives be different because of what you're doing here at the Cornerstone right now? And just as the semester's ending and people got pressure on them because of finals and because of pressure to um, deal with all the Christmas stuff and the year-end stuff, Lord, I ask that you would help the people at the Cornerstone to live in freedom from all the pressure of the world and to right now experience your peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding, guarding everybody's hearts and minds, and that in spite of all that stuff that we'd focus on you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Daniel kind of asked you, but how many of you guys, how many of you guys have already started um, taking exams? Who had an exam already? T today was first day, right? Well, well okay. F finals. How, um, who's, who's done with the semester? Wow. Who's... Is, is, there anybody who's, is there anybody who's done with the semester and it's their last semester? Okay, not yet. Who's, who's graduating this semester? Aaron, yeah. Wow. Wow. How, and let me ask you this. How many of you, how many of you are going home, uh, going to be gone for the whole next month or so? Like going back? Wow. Wow. Wow, Hadi is going all the way to India. Your mom is going to be so happy, man. Okay, let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys, how many of you guys this semester had to take, uh, or this next week have to take a history exam? Okay, what history are you taking, Violet? What is it? You think, okay. She's got an exam this week, and she thinks it's U.S. government. By the time the test comes, she's going to know for sure. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Let me ask you guys this. I just wanted to ask you about, about some history. How many, how many of you guys have had a history class? How many of you guys have had a history class that you loved? Good. How many of you guys have had a history class that you didn't love? Okay. That you didn't like? Um, okay. How would you summarize history, the history classes that you're taking in a couple words? What are they, what, what, what's history? What are your history classes about? History. You are brilliant. They're about history. What, what's, if somebody hadn't been in college yet, if Ian asked you, what, when I get to college and I get to study history, what's that all about? What are you going to say? What's that? Written records. Peoples. And by, but what are the main themes in history? In, it's about events and important events. And what are most of those important events that you guys are studying about? It's about war. It's almost all your history classes are about war and kings and Governments who try to take over other kingdoms, right? Isn't that what so much of the history is about? Well, why, did, why is it so important? Why does the school say that it's so important? That you, if you're becoming a, a nurse like Bethany, why is it so important that, that Bethany studies history? So, so we don't repeat ourselves. That's right. You guys, you guys took the classes. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, history gives us an understanding of why things are the way that they are right now, right? I mean, if you, if you ask why America is the land of opportunity and North Korea isn't as much a land of opportunity, why is that? I mean, the reason isn't going to be just because. The reason is going to be understood because of the, of the history of what's happened in this place. That's why history is important, right? Okay, guys, what we're studying tonight is history. I got a woo. Okay. 
Okay, we're studying the book of Acts. And Acts is the written record by Dr. Luke of what the Holy Spirit did through the apostles after Jesus left. Right? That's why it's called Acts. An act is what, something, what somebody does, right? The Acts of the Apostles, often called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's, it's even more accurately described as the Acts of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, through the lives of the Apostles. And so, we've, we're in chapter 4 tonight. And if you guys, just in review, we're talking about this history of a king, King Jesus, and a war against the kingdom of darkness and the overtake of the kingdom of Jesus taking over the kingdom of darkness. And so chapter 1, if you guys remember what chapter 1 was about, Jesus is still on this planet at that point, and he explains to them that he's leaving, that they, that they were going to be his witnesses, his representatives in, remember, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then to the whole earth, all the way to the cornerstone and to Miyako Island where I was last week. That's what Jesus had in mind. And so he tells them, but you guys aren't going to do it alone. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to step off this planet, and in my place, instead of one body being filled with the Holy Spirit of God to change the, this world, instead, I'm going to step off this planet, and I'm going to give you guys my spirit so that you guys can do everything that I was doing. Remember that? That was chapter 1. Chapter 1, and then the last bit of chapter 1, they choose a guy to replace Judas, because remember, Judas had bombed out. Then chapter 2, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes in power. Holy Spirit comes in power, and the people, the 120 people who are his disciples at that point, their lives are radically transformed. They're transformed by this empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and Peter preaches a sermon, and you remember how many people decide that they're going to be a part of this thing? You guys remember? 3,000. So 3,000 people are added to the community of believers. There had been 120, about the size of the core of the cornerstone, and then all of a sudden, one day, 3,000 people get added. Okay? That was chapter 2. Okay, chapter 3, Peter and John, P and J, are walking to the temple one day. And they, heal, they end up meeting a guy, a crippled guy, who asks them for money. And they're like, we don't got any money, but we'll just, we'll, let's heal you. And they, they heal the guy, and everybody freaks out, and they come running. And Peter preaches a sermon and explains how this guy got healed. You guys remember that? That's where we ended. Okay, so chapter 4. This is where we are. As Peter's explaining how this guy got healed, the people who think that they know what's going on, who, who run the temple, they come up and start questioning Peter and John. It's like, hey, what are you guys doing here? What right do you have to do what you just did? So chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, why are they upset? Look at the verse. They're preaching what? They're preaching about Jesus and the resurrection of the dead because the, the Sadducees didn't like what they were teaching because they didn't believe there was a resurrection of the dead. Their idea was that there, might, there was a God somewhere out there, kind of deistic way of thinking, that there's a God out there, but when you died, that's it. And it was the Sadducees who controlled the temple. So I want you guys to understand, the, the temple in Jerusalem, God's place of worship is being, being, being controlled by people 
who didn't even believe that there was a, a, an afterlife. And so here, when they see Peter and John talking about an afterlife, they're like, ho, ho, hold on, this is our place. They claim to have the right to control the temple. But of course, as you guys know, the opposition that Peter and John are facing here, that the church starts to face here in chapter 4, isn't just the Sadducees, isn't just the priests. It's not just the religious leaders. The, the root of that opposition came from the devil himself. Because the devil, every time, you guys notice that every time that the Holy Spirit starts to do great things, like here at the Cornerstone, or in Japan, or wherever else we've seen God do great things, the devil is there to attack, to counterattack. Now let me just say something about that. The attack, who's, who's the attack from? It's from our side against the kingdom of darkness. We're on the offense, guys. We often think of ourselves like the, 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 the devil is attacking us. Guys, the, devil's, the devil is counterattacking because we are taking his territory away from him. And we got to get that in our minds. What's happening here on this campus is not that we're all huddled over here afraid that the devil's going to hurt us. We're taking this campus. We're taking the lives of the people on this campus and introducing them to Jesus. Now, we don't do that by force. So it looks like maybe we're not as powerful as we really are. But we have the Spirit of God in our lives. And we're taking the devil's territory, and that's how, why he counterattacks. He's attacking the church in chapter 4 here because the church is taking his territory. In this place, the house of God on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, where God is to be worshipped, Satan has had control. Can you believe that? That's what's going on here in the temple. That's why Jesus was so upset. You guys remember when Jesus walks in there and he flips the tables over? He's, he is so upset. We don't see Jesus that upset at any other place. But he's upset because the place where God's spirit is supposed to dwell is being controlled by people who don't even believe that God is going to reward in an afterlife. They, don't, they, don't, they, they really don't believe that it matters. And instead they've turned that whole worship structure into a business. And so, verse 5, verse 3, sorry, verse 3. So they seized Peter and John. They grabbed Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. It's like, okay, we got to stop these guys, stick them in jail. I'm going home. It's late. But many who heard their message believed, and the, men, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Okay, let me ask you guys this. Had Peter and John done something wrong? No way. No way. And yet, they're in jail, right? They haven't done anything wrong, and yet they're put in jail. And guys, this, this is the beginning. This is chapter 4 of Acts. And up to this point, we've seen chapter 1 win, chapter 2 win, chapter 3 win. And now, the devil can't take the Christians winning anymore, and he attacks them. Up to this point, they've had favor. Remember we read about favor with all the people? In other words, up to this point, people are going, those Christians are pretty cool. And now... They're, the guys who are leading the whole thing, they're stuck in prison. They're stuck in jail, and they haven't even done anything wrong. You ever been in a situation like that? You're just trying to help some crippled guy. And then you tell the crippled guy about Jesus or the equivalent. You're just tr you're trying to do what God's led you to do, and you end up being bashed by some person who's in authority. And you're, maybe you haven't been in jail, but you maybe you feel the equivalent of like, God, I was just trying to do a nice thing, and they had to treat me like that. You guys know what I'm talking about? And you start to question God and think, God, was I, was, I really go, was I really supposed to do what you were leading me to do? And the truth of 
the proclamation of the gospel is that it's not going to be easy. Sure, they had a win-win-win in the first few chapters of Acts, but it is not going to be easy, and Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. But the question is, when you get stuck in jail, or the equivalent, how do you respond? Or maybe the, the better question, the question, here's the question I want you guys to think about in, re in, in regards to this, is not how, how have you responded, but how will you respond? How will you respond when you get thrown in jail? Or when you get trampled on? Or when you get rejected by people who are in authority in your life? Because if you are serious, if you're serious, if you're really serious about following Jesus, this kind of thing is going to happen. It's going to happen. The question is, are you willing to let it happen? And are you willing to say it was worth it? But I want you guys to see. Check out verse 4. You guys see what the result was? What was the result of what this, this interaction that just took place? Look at verse 4. But many who heard their message believed. And the number of men grew to about 5,000. Every time that we see Christians treated, mistreated because of their love for Jesus and because they do something right, through history, whenever we see that, we see people on the sidelines saying, that's worth following. If the believers who are attacked respond right. Almost, how many people join the community? About, what's that? About 2,000 more. Because it says it grew to about 5,000. It had been about 3,000. So about 2,000 more joined because of this encounter between the Sadducees and Peter and John. What if that's God's way of building his church? Think about it. Think about it. What if God's intended way of building his church is by letting his people follow Jesus' example of getting pounded on by the authorities? I just want you to think about that. And also, let me ask you guys this question. For you personally, would you like to see 2,000 people come to faith in Christ? Would we like to see? Yeah, more than that, exactly. Would we like to see out of the 46,000 people at UTA, would we like to see 2,000 people be touched by the freedom that is offered in Jesus that you guys have experienced? Okay, so yes. I've, some of you guys aren't saying yes. Some of you are. I'm asking real questions here. Okay. Would you still be willing to say yes to I want 2,000 people to come to, to freedom in Christ if your yes meant a night in jail like Peter and John? Sure. I think so. I'm, I'm not. Like, put me in jail. <laughs> Gladly. 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 Well, let me ask you is this. So you'd be willing to spend a night in jail. Think about it, guys. You'd be willing to spend a night in jail to see 2,000 people at UTA come to faith, even though that would be a criminal record for you? It's worth it, what you're saying. Okay, what if that 2,000 people, what if it wasn't 2,000? What if it was 10 people? What if it was one person? Man, you guys are easy. Okay, let me ask you this. What if it wasn't jail? 
Because truthfully, most of you guys aren't going to jail for, for, for preaching Jesus. Now that it's, you're allowed to do that in this country. I mean, for some countries where you're not allowed to do it, so you, you, you might be more motivated. But I'm amazed at how many people are motivated to preach the gospel in places that are not allowed to, but they don't do it here. You guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, so what if it, what if it wasn't being put in jail? What if your effort to reach one person cost you something a whole lot less than spending that in jail? What if your effort to reach one person just cost you your job? Or what if it costs you a relationship? Or what if it costs you by loving somebody in Jesus' name in your class that you got to see in that class instead of an A? Would that still be worth it? What I'm really asking you guys, I'm asking you as an individual, every one of you, I'm asking you, how important is it to you that the kingdom of Jesus is established right here? at your workplace, and in your homes, and on this campus. How important is it to you? You guys just said yes, yes, yes when I asked you if you'd be willing to spend a night in jail to make that happen. Next week, a bunch of you guys are headed home. Some of you guys aren't going to be going home for the whole break, but some of you guys are going to be home for part of the break. And for some of you, for some of you, if you take a stand for Jesus, there is going to be a cost for you over the next month. You probably won't have to be in jail. But the people who have power at your job or in your family or in your friendship circles, some of them are not going to like you talking about Jesus. And you will face persecution. And I'm asking you to prepare yourself tonight as you go into this next month where things are going to be different because your, your schedule is changing. I'm asking you to make up your mind that you're willing to spend a night in jail or the equivalent for Jesus. Are you willing to face that for Jesus' sake? Okay, this is what let's do right now. I want to, Skyler, can you put that prayer up here? I just want, want, let's pray together, asking the Lord for courage to be able to take a stand for him no matter what happens over this Christmas break. Would you guys just repeat after me? Lord Jesus, I want to live my life for you. I want you to work through me to touch people with your power during this winter break. I'm asking you for courage to stand for you no matter what the cost. I want you to get glory from my life no matter what it costs me. Help me to be strong. Help me to endure. Help me to find my joy in you no matter what rejection I face. For your glory, amen. Okay, let's look at verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers, the law met in Jerusalem. Now, these guys are worked up about this. They're, thinking, they're realizing something's getting out of hand. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest family. These are the bigwigs in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And then they ask a question. It's a good question. They say, by what power or what name did you do this? In other words, this guy just got healed. Tell us, how did you do this? What, what's happening here? Then Peter, look at verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now, I just want you guys to notice. This is just a side note. But Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, right? This is after Acts 2. You guys remember Acts 2? He's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Do you, are you guys with me? 
So, so what, what, what I want you guys to understand is there's the, the filling of the Holy Spirit for ministry is something that is not something that just happens one time, okay? Do you guys get this? Do you understand? Holy Spirit power is equal to the, the ministry need at hand, okay? So this is not something that happens one time where Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit and now he's good to go for the rest of his life. Here in this point where he's being faced with the, the leaders, the political leaders of Jerusalem, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, he is filled with the Holy Spirit and says to them, rulers and elders of the people. He's going to answer their question. They say, what authority did you have to do this? What name did you do this in? And he says, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a crippled man and are asked how he was healed, then you guys got to know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He answers their question. Notice that. They asked the question. He told them. How did you do this? Jesus. Jesus, the guy that you guys crucified. And he did it because he is um, work, he, he is God and he's working in the power of God and then he explains to them a little bit more than what they asked for he explains to them using the scripture that they knew and he quotes something from Psalm 118 and he says speaking of Jesus Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the capstone or the cornerstone which this ministry is named after he's saying so this is taken from, from Psalm 118 and the guys who are listening to him they know what he's talking about but they don't know what the meaning of the prophecy is. It's a prophecy in Psalm 118 saying that there would be a stone, a, the, the most important stone of the temple would be rejected. But that, that stone would become the capstone. And there's a story that that actually had happened. The physical stone in the temple had been brought in and had been set aside and then they couldn't find it. They didn't realize that that was the most important stone of the building until later on they brought it back. And it's prophetic of what the Jewish people would do to their Messiah. So Peter points at them and he says, you guys killed Jesus and you fulfilled Psalm 118. That the, the most important part of the temple of God was rejected by you. And then he says the most offensive thing that he could possibly have said and maybe the most offensive thing that you can say in every one of your classes and then he, he says this, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do you guys hear what, Je what Peter is saying about Jesus? Peter says about Jesus. And guys, this is a great verse for you to memorize. This is a great verse because it says that Jesus is the only hope of mankind. Contrary to what the world teaches that all roads lead to God or that every religion basically teaches the same thing. What the Bible's teaching us is this. There is no way for people to be saved from the punishment of hell that they deserve apart from Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. I, when I was 23 years old, I was working in American Savings in Southern California. And a girl came and she, she talked to some Christians. She's like, they were telling me that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And I said, oh, she asked me, she said, don't you think that's pretty narrow-minded? And I said, absolutely. Because that's what Jesus taught about himself. You guys remember where Jesus talks about him being the only way? Where is it? 
Speak louder. Okay. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, nobody can get to the Father and get to God except through me. Jesus said that. Is Jesus narrow-minded? Sure is. Sure is. Because truth is narrow. Truth is not relative. No matter what people think about the truth, truth is truth regardless of what people think that it is. And Jesus says that he's the truth and he's the only way. And the person that said this, Jesus himself, was the guy who raised himself from the dead and is coming back again. And every person will see his face. Okay, let's look at verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. Who's they? These, 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 the bigwigs, these prestigious leaders. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they hadn't been to Harvard, or, and they were astonished as they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here's what I want you guys to see. Notice what the authorities recognize about Peter and John. They recognize, what do they recognize about them? They recognize their courage, but they recognize that they've been with Jesus. How do they recognize that they've been with Jesus? Because of the courage, because of the character in these guys' lives, not because of the healing of the guy. Here's what I want you guys to think about. There are people in your life who do not believe in Jesus, but because of the courage and the character in your life, they will see Jesus in you. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? You might not heal somebody. They might not see you heal anybody. But the character in your life will, will cause them to step back and say, he's one of them. She's one of them. And the opposite is true. That if you don't have courage in your life, if you are spiritually a wimp, it means it is the result of you not spending time with Jesus. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? If you're spending time with, with Jesus, you are going to be people who are full of courage. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you're going to be a spiritual wimp. I want to ask you, what is your courage level? How, how courageous, how willing are you to be put in jail? I know you're not going to be put in jail. How willing are you to let the mockery of humanity out there stop you from proclaiming Jesus and from loving in Jesus' name? Jesus says in, I think it's Matthew 10.32, he says, whoever acknowledges me before people, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And whoever disowns me before people, I'll disown him before my Father in heaven. You want to know how to be acknowledged by Jesus? Is you acknowledge him. You say, he's mine. I'm his. If you say, he's not mine, then he says, okay, have it your way. Guys, I'm asking that the people at the cornerstone would be people who are like Peter and John, full of courage, unwilling to back down simply because they're afraid of what somebody in the class is thinking or somebody at your workplace is thinking or, or because of what your cousin who's over for Christmas is thinking. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there, there was nothing they could say. It's like, what are they going to say? So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is this court case that they're having. The, the, the group of 70 leaders 
And they're like, okay, you guys get out of here. We're going to talk about what, what, what the verdict is going to be. So they send them out. And while Peter and John are, are, are out of the room, they say, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody in Jerusalem knows that they've done a, an outstanding miracle. Everybody knew. Everybody saw it. Everybody, knew, everybody knows what's going on. And we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading it any further, we must warn these men to speak no longer the name anyone in this name of Jesus. So you guys understand what they're going to do? It's like, okay, bring them back in. We're going to intimidate them. We're going to tell them what they can and can't do. So they bring them back in, verse 18. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You understand? But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. Really? We don't obey you and disobey God? I mean, to them, it was, it was inconceivable that they would obey these guys who were telling them to shut up rather than obey God. But what amazes me is how many people who follow Jesus haven't even been told not to preach in Jesus' name, and they're still they're afraid to do it. I'm, and you guys, I'm guilty too. How many times in my life could have, I, could have I given Jesus glory and instead I kept my mouth shut? And it takes wisdom from the Lord when to speak and when not to. But if fear is your motivation then you are, you are dissing Jesus. You are disrespecting him. Verse 18. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in Jesus' name, but Peter, oh, we read that. Um, verse 20. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Can't help it. You know, why couldn't they help it? All they need to do is keep their mouth shut, right? They couldn't keep their mouth shut, guys. If the Holy Spirit invades your life, if you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, it's not something like you think, well, should I or shouldn't I? If you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit of God, you're like, all I want is to tell people about Jesus. And you've seen some people like that, right? We've got people like that here. Some of you are like that. It's like, all I want to do is know him more and to tell people about how to know him more. After further threats, they let them go. Verse 21. They could not decide how to punish them. No kidding. Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. People have been seeing this guy sitting at the gate begging for 40 years, and now he's well. The authorities in Jerusalem, the authorities, so the authorities in Jerusalem command them not to preach anymore. And Peter and John don't hesitate for a minute. They don't have to, like, hey, okay, let's talk about how to answer these guys. They know exactly what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And this, some, this, this winter break, some of you guys are going to have to say to the authorities, there's going to be people who try to take authority, like, leave Jesus out of this. This is Christmas time. It's going to be all about Santa. They're going to they're gonna tell you, you should, you should say happy holidays. Everybody say happy holidays. Don't say Merry Christmas, right? That's what they're going to do. There's people that are thinking that way. And you're just going to say, I'm not following that. I am not going to be politically correct. I'm not worried about it. It may cost us something, but it's worth it. Guys, I'm asking you guys to make up your minds now that you aren't going to give in to intimidation. Pastor Gary came back from Myanmar. You guys know that Pastor Gary was in Myanmar uh, probably about three weeks ago or so. And when he came back, he shared with us and the staff about, the, you know, there were 209 pastors in Myanmar. You guys know where Myanmar is, right? Okay. What's their name for Myanmar? Burma. Thank you. Good. You guys are good. You studied history. Good. Uh, 
Myanmar, so 209 pastors in Myanmar who got put in prison about a month before Pastor Gary went there. And just before he went, 200 of them were released because they were willing to sign a paper that said they would no longer preach in Jesus' name. Nine of them stayed in prison because they wouldn't sign the paper. And Pastor Gary, as he's sharing this with us after you know, a couple days after he got back, he just, he just was telling us, guys, we have to be making up our minds right now when the persecution comes, we will not be silent about who Jesus is and what he's done. Whatever the cost, whatever the cost, we must continue to proclaim Jesus. Persecution is inevitable. Worse persecution than you guys have experienced is coming. For some of us, it's going to cost us our relationships. And for some of us, it's going to cost us our jobs. And for some of us, it may cost us our lives. Let that be me. Let it be me. I hope, I pray, that when the time comes, whether it's my job or my relationships or my life, that I will have the strength to stand for Jesus, me and my family and my friends and the people at the cornerstone. I pray, I pray this, guys. I pray that we will have the strength to, to, to withstand the, pr the pressure on us to, give, to turn away from Jesus and to disown him. I pray that we will be strong and follow him no matter what the cost. As I was flying to Miyako Island, uh, I watched, you know, they got all those movies on the plane. And by the way, most of those movies aren't worth watching. In fact, you got to wear, cover your eyes because everybody around you is watching stuff. But I watched the, the movie that Apostle Paul was on there. And I watched part of it. And I thought I, I, thought I should show some of it to you. Because we're, we're, just, we're in chapter 4 of Acts. And the book of Acts ends as Paul's in Rome about to be killed. But I want you to see the, this clip from the last part of the Apostle Paul movie. And I want you to just think about what you are. You know Jesus now because of the sacrifice that people who knew Jesus over the centuries made and didn't give up their faith when persecution came. So can you run that? Okay, guys, let's stand up. Let's just pray together. Father, would you help us, your people here at the Cornerstone, be faithful. Whatever the cost, whatever it takes, would we honor you above our own lives? And Lord, we've already, we've already said we want to follow you. We just say again together as a community people, we, we surrender all to you. Nothing matters compared to knowing you. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and to attain the resurrection from the dead. Lord, we, do, we live for this truth. And the world might mock and people might pressure us. And Lord, I'm just asking that that everything that happens over the next month as people are going home, that we won't forget you. And we need your help, Lord. Because without your help, we'll all forget you. We'll all abandon you. So we need your help, Lord. And you promised your spirit in us. 
your Holy Spirit in us, giving us the strength that we need to endure. And we choose you today. We choose you above all the ranks that people say are important, above all the financial positions that people say are important, above all the prestige. We choose you. And Lord, would you help us to endure, to be faithful for the joy that was set before you. You endured the cross, Lord. Help us to be the same way. And would you change the world because of the people in this room, the people who are here tonight. And some of you, you guys, the, the Lord is calling you. Some of you, some of you still haven't even surrendered your lives to Jesus. Some of you uh, haven't been willing to do that. Let tonight be the night. Lord, would, would, would you break down the walls uh, in our hearts that have kept us from surrendering, surrendering to you. And would there be new, a new chapter in the lives of people who are here tonight because they've said yes to you. We say yes to you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for all the good stuff that you're, it's coming up over the next week. And um, Would you protect all of us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are just